day when my uh, dream car was a was a uh, candy apple red 5.0 uh, Mustang. And then I remember when it changed to a Dodge Grand Caravan. <laughs> and it, it was a subtle change because I remember, you know, every time you see a sports car drive by, it's like, oh, yeah, I can see me riding that. And then I don't know what happened, but all of a sudden I started noticing minivans. Ooh, that's a sweet one right there. <laughs> I'll check it out. I think some of you brothers can relate to that. All right, I'm going to... Things kind of changed up just a tad bit. But uh, how many of you think that's okay? Because our desire here is to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit because we know that He can do in a few seconds what we can never do, right? And so that is our desire. We have our agenda, and then when He wants to change or introduce His, we say, yes, Lord, have your way. And so that's our desire. And I'm excited because I believe that He's confirmed at least one of the things that I was, that I was having anxiety over. Um, I have a message on my heart that I want to share with you men, and it's going to be specifically to fathers that have children in the home. And so normally, those of you who are used to me know that I don't typically speak a, a targeted message. I usually or generally speak a message to everybody. Every once in a while, I'll speak, you know, like on Mother's Day. Uh, it was targeted to the, towards the mothers, but obviously it applied to, to everyone. And I was challenged and having a hard time with this message, and I couldn't figure out why. It's like, man, why am I having a hard time putting this together? And then I realized what it was. I was talking to my wife yesterday. I said, man, I'm struggling to get this down. And it was because I had the, I've, I felt like I knew what I believe the Lord wanted put in my heart to share, to deliver to you brothers. It has to do with Father's Day. But what I was struggling with is, is on Father's Day, which happens to be today, there can be a lot of emotions brought to the surface, negative emotions. Because as Leah was praying early and leading us, and you know, the, the fatherlessness, we're reminded of the negative examples of maybe some of the fathers we have, maybe some of the husbands that you ladies have or had may not have been the best husbands, may not have been the best fathers. And so the challenge was what I was becoming anxious about is feeling like, how can I deliver a pointed message to certain people when this is such a huge topic to deal with? Feel like I need to, feeling like I needed to cover everybody, you know, fatherlessness and if you had a bad marriage or husband or, or all that kind of stuff. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, no, it's okay to deliver my message to the people I want it to be delivered to. But here's the cool thing. The Lord dealt with that today. He ministered to, in, to all those areas, if you notice that. And it's like, and why was, I an, why was I anxious about that again? You know, and it's like the Lord cares about us. He cares about the fact that you've had a hard time with your father or lack of father. I mean, really cares. And so I was excited because the way that everything went down, um, now I'm more free just to share my message and not worry about anything else because God took care of it. And so my message here is it's, it's to you men, specifically men who are fathers who have kids at home. Now, what I challenge the rest of you to do, I charge and challenge you to do, the Holy Spirit, if I'm speaking a message to Caleb, for example, and you guys all happen to be listening, the Holy Spirit has a unique way of making that message apply to everybody. You know what I mean? He's just good like that. 
And so even though this message is pointed, is directed to my brothers, specific brothers, you just open your heart and say, Holy Spirit, I'm open, speak to me. How can I apply whatever I'm going to hear? How can I apply that to my life? And so I, I charge you, ladies and, and brothers, I charge you to receive what the Lord wants to say to you today. Okay? Can we do that together? Now, my, my last challenge that's left is my, are my glasses. I broke them last night exercising. And they're still hanging together, but they're all messed up. And I was going to wear my other glasses, my older ones, but these are gradual bifocals. Okay, I'm telling on myself. And so I put on the other ones last night, and when I looked down, I couldn't see anything. It's like, whoa, that's not going to work. So I would have been doing this all morning, you know, doing this back and forth. And so as long as they stay on my face, I'm good. If they fall off, we'll have a brief moment for prayer while I get myself together. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you for what you've done already. And Lord, I thank you that we're able to give you a Father's Day present just by loving on you because you are an incredible father. You're a good, good father. And I just pray right now that you would open our hearts to receive what the Spirit of the Lord wants to say to us. We open our hearts and our ears to receive your word, and we thank you for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. The name of this message is Men, You Matter. Men, You Matter. And most of you know we've been doing a worship series for the last number of weeks, and this is a continuation, kind of, sort of. Um, so we'll just see how that, how, that goes, how that goes. You know, as I was preparing for this message, I was tempted to look at all. There are so many statistics when you look at fathers, fathers fatherlessness, when you look at the... the the um, impact that men have on society. You look at the negative impact, look at the positive impact, and I was going to quote, you know, 90% of this, 20% of it. But it's like, no, nah, you guys can look that up yourself. But the one thing I came to the conclusion to, and I believe you will too, is that men, you are important. And as generic as that may sound or redundant or whatever, why is that clock upside down? Huh? <laughs> Okay, I'm good. But as, as, as crazy as that sounds, that men you matter, look, what, look what's happening in society. Society is, is speaking a different message, trying to, to propagate a different message when it comes to fathers or when it comes to men, how unimportant they are. And I think in their attempt, in our attempt to empower women, it's like we have to do that at the expense of men. And that's not God's way at all. God has the ability to empower women and men at the same time. He didn't have to build up one and belittle the other. But our society does that. You know, you look at the TV shows, the famous or the, the popular common sitcom shows or whatever, and, and more times than not, there will be a man in the movie or the show represented that he's a bumbling idiot. And then the wife is the one that has all the brains, the genius, she's the hero and everything, and the dad is just a knucklehead. That may be true in some cases, but the representation of that is becoming, you know, spread worldwide or nationwide or whatever. But things are changing. Statistics are revealing truths, and people are waking up to them. You know, they're even making changes in the courts where we used to assume that if a child was with mom, the child was going to be okay. 
And so more times than not, the courts would award the children to the mother if there was a divorce. Thinking, well, that's best for the child. And how many of you realize they're realizing that's not always the case anymore? So anyway, my point is, is men, you matter. And the message I want to deliver today to you brothers, I just want to share some things, how you can intentionally and specifically make an impact on your kids. On your kids. And I'm going to read out of Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, out of the Amplified. It says, fathers, do not irritate and provoke your children to anger. Do not exasperate them to resentment. But rear them tenderly in the training and discipline and the counsel and admonition of the Lord. Ephesians 6 verse 4. You notice it starts off when it says fathers. First of all, it says fathers. It didn't say moms and dads. It didn't say parents. Some translations, it puts the word parents in there. But most of the translation says fathers. And I believe it's specific. Because sometimes when you read the New Testament, you'll see it'll say wives. It'll say husbands. It'll say children. It'll say fathers. And I believe God is intentional when he specifically targets a specific audience. And I believe that's his intention here. He says, fathers. Now, that doesn't mean the mothers don't need to listen to what's said right here. Okay? It's not saying fathers don't do this, but it's okay for you moms to, to provoke or exasperate or irritate your kids. It's okay for you guys, but not the dads. That's not what it means. But it says, fathers, do not irritate, provoke your children to anger. Do not exasperate them to resentment. So I want to talk about the negative side for a second. Irritate. How do you irritate fathers? How do we irritate our kids? One way is by constantly breaking your word or your promise, saying you will do things and spend time with them, but always allowing other things to come up. When we make these promises with our kids, because see, fathers, we are busy, aren't we? That's the excuse we use a lot. And we are busy, but we use that as a crutch to keep us from, from fathering our children in a wonderful way. And so we will, we will say, oh, son, next weekend we'll go fishing. Or, guys, I'm going to take you to the movies this weekend. And we make these promises. And then when the weekend comes or Friday and, and the daughter says, Daddy, are we going to the movies tonight? Oh, I'm sorry, I can't. I have a meeting. Now, we know things do come up. But if you're becoming characterized by that, that's not good. And I promise you, you will begin to irritate your children. It may start off as a small irritation, but then it can grow into bigger things that, that lead to deep wounds. The other thing it says, do, to provoke to anger. Do not provoke your children to anger. How do we do that? Giving discipline and rules without relationship. You know, I heard Josh McDowell say years ago, and it really stuck with me. I was a young father back then. I only had two kids back in the day. But he said, rules without relationship equals rebellion. Rules without relationship equals rebellion. And so us dads can be real good. I'm real good at laying down the law. I don't have to be taught how to do that. I'm just good at it. I'm good at it. That's not the way it's going to be. Hey, you, you know, I'm good at laying down the law. This is the way it's going to be. And if I do that, and that's the only interaction that I have with my kids... Or that's the major interaction I have with my kids. That's not a healthy relationship, is it? That's not a good relationship at all. And what will happen is it will create resentment. And it will lead to rebellion. And I believe that happens way too often. 
you know, to, to the point where people are afraid. Parents are afraid of the teenage years. They say, oh, no, those teen- I have a couple of years, and oh, no, I'm going to have teenagers. In our society, we, we have this negative connotation on teenagers. I don't buy that one bit. It's a lie. And when we put our emphasis on the fear of teenagers, we're just propagating the lie that the enemy wants spread. And then we become afraid of teenagers, and we see them in a negative light. We see them as rebellious. We see them as trouble and that kind of thing. And so then all of a sudden you got your own kids coming up and you begin to have attitude towards them even before they become teenagers and you begin to propagate a negative cycle. That can be avoided, I believe, through relationship. Parents, I'm going to tell you something. Your kids want to have relationship with you. They are built in. It is in their DNA, I believe. I can't prove it. I haven't studied this out scientifically, but sociologically. They are built in, it is built in a child's DNA to want relationship with his dad or her dad. They crave for that. The only thing that's going to change that is if you continue to push them away. You continue to exasperate them. You continue to irritate them, pushing them away, making excuses, putting other things before them. When that happens in their preteen years, then guess what? When they have the freedoms to be around their friends, their teenage friends, guess what's going to happen? They're going to prefer to be with their teenage friends than they are with dad, who doesn't have time for them. And that's how that cycle begins to be developed. And we say, my kids don't want to spend time with me. They always want to hang out with their friends. And it's okay for them to want to hang out with their friends, but when they don't want to hang out with you at all, then we got a problem. And it shouldn't be that way. And it doesn't have to be that way. So rules without relationship. So brothers, we have to develop a relationship. I'm not saying put away the rules. Our kids need discipline. They need guidelines. They need structure. Some of us don't have enough structure in our homes. They need that, but along with that, and even more than the rules, they need you. They need dad. Because when you're hanging out with your kids... And you're doing things, and all of a sudden you have to deal with an issue. You know, they're talking back to you or their mom, or they're smacked their brother upside the head. Or You know, you have to deal with issues. You can deal with the issue as a parent, and then you go back to the relationship thing, and everything's good. Because they really understand. Okay, I was being a knucklehead at the time. Dad had to deal with me, and now we're good. We're still hanging out, doing this or doing that. So the important thing is relationship. And brothers, we have to be intentional in our relationship. The third thing, exasperate to resentment. Do not exasperate to resentment. And I believe one way to do that is expecting perfection from your kids and showing them that you are not perfect. In other words, they see your flaws, see that you're not perfect, but you expect perfection from them. And how's one way that you do this? Fathers, by never apologizing. I remember when we were youth, Lisa and I were youth pastors, and I believe it was back when, when Stephen Haley was in the youth group, and Mike Harper, and Robin Elliott, and Ben Elliott, and all those guys, the old ones. Back when they were in the youth. And I remember, we did, I don't know if you guys remember this, we did a survey asking you guys some questions. Asking you guys questions, and one of the questions, it was, um, I don't even remember why we were doing this. There was some study I was doing. Remember, I majored in sociology, so I'm always messing with people, okay? So uh, we were doing something, and I had a point back then, but I don't remember what it was. But we asked them questions about, about the relationship with their parents. 
And it was one thing, one of the questions was, what is one thing that irritates you about your parents or fathers? I can't remember specifically. But one of the common answers that we received, it was a predominant answer. My dad never says he's sorry. He never apologizes for anything. So they saw that dad wasn't perfect. They saw the father's mistakes, but the father never apologized. And brothers, that's not good. Because that's being prideful. The Bible says that he, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. If you want more grace to parent your children, walk in humility. When you mess up, or excuse me, shall I say, if you ever mess up, when you recognize, when the Holy Spirit brings that conviction, then you go to use, in other words, if you yelled at your child, because you know we really don't have to yell at them to, to make our point. But if we yell at them, when we do something, we break a promise or something, and we go to them and say, you know, son, when I talk to you the way I did or I did this, I was wrong. Would you forget? Don't, don't look at me like that. I was wrong. Would you forgive me? And in doing that, because what that'll do is it'll increase accountability in your life and it'll strengthen that bond between you and your children. You hear what I'm saying? Okay, so then it goes on and says, rear them tenderly in the training, discipline, admonition, and counsel of the Lord. So now moving to the positive side. So it tells us what not to do. Don't irritate, provoke to anger, exasperate to resentment. But rear them tenderly in the training, discipline, admonition, and counsel of the Lord. I remember before, or actually when I started having children. I have six kids, by the way, if you don't know that. I have five boys and a girl. And I remember when I started having children, and I knew this is way, this is back when we were youth pastors, and, and I remember crying out to the Lord saying, Lord, I don't want to raise preacher kids, or preacher's kids, PKs. I think we all know what those are. You probably know some. Probably had some running in, running, bad dealings with some. I mean, it's a stereotype. Unfair stereotype. But anyway, what I meant by when I was saying, Lord, I don't want to raise kids that grow up despising the church, despising God, turning away from God. And I believe why that happens is because the father who happens to be the pastor or minister or whatever, just like any other father, he neglects his children, neglects the relationship, chasing the kingdom, winning the world for Jesus. Neglecting his own kids. And so what happens is the child or the children begin to see the church as competition to their time and their affection. And they begin to resent that affection because the church or God or whoever is winning out. Because dad always has time for God or always has time for people he's ministering to, but he never has time to play football with me. He never has time to, to hang out with me. And so they begin to resent the very thing that the father's representing. And so that's why God gets the bad rap. And so then they get rebellious because then the father sees the child getting out of control. So he begins to lay down the law without relationship. And so it just causes this bad cycle. And then you have PKs. And I said, Lord, I don't want that because I recognize in me my propensity to neglect my kids. I recognize because, not because I don't love my kids, but because I'm a very focused and driven person. And I recognize when I lock, on, lock in on something, I'm focused. Even to the point of just neglecting and forgetting about everything else. 
And I said, Lord, please help me so that I don't do that. And he did. How many of you know when you ask, when you pray according to God's will, he's got your back. He's going to take care of it. And believe me, he did. He began to tell me and encourage me and share things with me. And the first thing I want to encourage you fathers, and this is what the Lord encouraged me with, is be intentional and make time with your kids a huge priority. A huge priority. Be intentional. Just like brothers, we are intentional. If we're going to have a meeting with somebody, with our boss, with our coworkers, with the people that were our subordinates or whatever, we, we're intentional in our training. We're intentional in our business dealings. We need to be just as intentional with our kids. Even if it means setting your schedule, blocking out time. This is going to be with this kid. This is going to be with this kid. This is family time. And that needs to be second to time with your wife. Second to time with your wife. Do you realize, brothers, one of the best child-rearing practices, or the best, I believe, you can do for your kids is love your wife. You let your kids see that you are crazy about that woman. Flirt with your wife around them. Make them go crazy. Oh, Dad, please stop. Oh, I can't take it. And then, of course, they're peeking. And it's funny because my kids say, Dad, you're not going to kiss her, are you? It's like, oh, they're like, no, don't do it, no, no. And of course, you know, I got to be, mis- you know, you know, anyway. <laughs> but a side note, men, you have to be intentional in loving your wife in front of your kids. So you can't sacrifice time away from your wife to spend time with your kids. Your wife, time with her has to be first, and then you spend the time with your kids. And being intentional... You know, because you think, well, I have too many kids. I have two. That was a joke, but never mind. (laughs) I'm too busy. My job's too demanding. If your job is causing you to not be able to spend time with your family, then you probably have the wrong job. I'm just going to put that out there. Okay? Because too often we sacrifice our families to these jobs that allow us to make a lot of money but at the cost of losing our kids. And we think it's okay. Well, hey, I'm making all this money. My kids will understand. They'll understand. I'll throw some expensive gifts at them. PS10s, PlayStation whatevers. And we think they're good. We think they're okay with that. They're not. I'm just letting you know they're not. So we have to be intentional. And you know the secret and the key to being intentional and helping you with this is Holy Spirit. He is called alongside of you to be your helper. He knows your family better than you. He knows what makes your kids tick. And he'll say, son, I want you to do this with this child. I want you to do this with this child. And he will give you keys to their hearts and help you to to do things that's going to help you in your relationship with them. And so when me spending time with my kids, the Lord told me one time, he spoke this to me specifically, and he said, you need to invite your children into your life. Because if you stay separated, then there's going to be problems. You need to invite them into your life. So, okay. I didn't know what that looked like. Until I went home and my wife, I was talking to my wife, and she said, honey, I think you need to start taking the boys to work with you. I'm like, get behind me, Satan. I rebuke that. <laughs> well, actually, I didn't say that. I'm not stupid. But I was like, there's no way I'm going to take them to work with me. Are you kidding me? That's my time. But when she said that, she goes, I think you ought to start taking the kids to work with you. 
And the Holy Spirit confirmed that. And he said, you remember what I told you about inviting them into your world? That's what I'm talking about. I was like, oh, okay. So when they turned a certain age, I think it was around 11, then I started inviting them. I said, all right, Trey, it's your turn to go to work with me. And, of course, that was just like, might as well tell them we're going to Disneyland. He's like, I get to go to work with Dad. Of course, all the other kids were jealous because it wasn't their turn yet. And plus, I couldn't have them all up here at the same time because it would just be crazy. Although there are times when I did. But anyway, God gave me grace for that. But I started bringing my sons to work with me. One by one, and then when I started having too many, start taking turns. Trey had Tuesday, Wednesday, Brian had Friday or whatever, and then Joseph. You know, and then we started doing that. And now my youngest son, he just turned 11. Well, he turned 11 last year, so now it's his turn. And it's interesting because what I learned what happened is we were, because I made that commitment, it was their turn to go to work, we were in relationships, so we were forced to reconcile whenever there were stuff going on. Whenever there was stuff you know, when, in other words, a kid gets in trouble, bad attitude, I have a bad attitude, and, you know, there's a fight and all that kind of stuff. Because we were together, we had to reconcile or be miserable. And so it forced us, in an in a interesting kind of way, to keep our relationship current. And so we developed a strong relationship. Now, I didn't become their friend. I mean, I'm, I'm friendly with my boys, but I am not called to be their friend. I'm called to be their father first. Now, my older boys that are out of the house now, now we're friends. But I never, I don't know how, I'm, I'm sure I learned it from some older, from, from wiser men. But I never fell into the trap of I have to be their friend, buddy, buddy. Because that gets all messed up. Then when it comes to discipline, and you're like having a discipline, they get all confused. Like, I thought we were buds, dad. We'll be friends after I bust your butt. But anyway, so developing that, having that time, carving time out, then what began to happen was whatever I was doing, I drugged them, well, kind of drug them or brought them, say, uh, like they'd be, we homeschooled our kids, so they were with me doing their school, and I said, hey, Trey, come with me, I need to run an errand, or I'm, I'm going out. And so I'd go to Walmart, I'd go wherever, to look for people, to look for victims to pray for. Or just, that's just what I did, and I had my sons right there with me. So I never taught them, son, here's how you pray for somebody. Here's how you pray for a, sick, a person who's got back problems. Or here's how you pray for this. Or here's how you... I never taught them how to do that. I showed them how to do it. They know how to do that now. I never had a class with them. I just took them with me. Reaching out to people. But see, here's what's going to happen, brothers. When you invite your kids to be with you, you are saying, okay, I'm embracing accountability. Because you are inviting them to be in your life to see how you handle life situations. To see how you treat people. To see when that guy pulls off in front of you, how you're going to respond in that situation. When the clerk gives you too much money, they give you change for a 50 when you only gave them a 10. They're watching to see how you handle that situation. And I believe, purposely, God sets those situations up just to see what you're going to do. To model something before your kids. Or to that person. And that's happened a number of times when people will give me too much money. Sometimes people say, oh, thank you, Jesus. I got blessed today. It's like, no, God didn't bless you with that money because that lady's going to have to pay that back. He's given you an opportunity to display integrity. And that's what our sons and daughters need to see. They need to see, oh, that's how you do when someone gives you too much money. Or that's how you act to a person who's unlovely or unloving or, or whatever. 
And so when your kids are with you, they're seeing, is your faith a Sunday thing or is it a reality thing? And see, that's where we cause problems with raising religious kids. They see how dad acts on Sunday and then they see how dad acts on Monday through Saturday. And if it doesn't line up, we got problems. Because how you're acting, you are modeling to your kids and guess what? They will follow you. They will follow your example because they're learning. This is how you do it. Because fathers, you are their hero. You are their example. And they'll say, okay, that's how you do it. That's how you do it. And they will follow that example. Good, bad. I may go over a little bit today. Just giving you guys a heads up. Okay, so number one is be intentional. Make time with your kids. A huge priority. You know, there's a verse that says, train up a child in the way he should go and in keeping with his individual gift or bent. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he'll not depart from it. And I've heard a lot of people say, or they equate that to mean, because I've heard them complaining and, and grief in their hearts saying, man, I brought my kids to church every Sunday and now they don't have anything to do with God. And they equated the training to bringing their kids to church. That is not what that verse is talking about. And a lot of times church doesn't have anything to do with it. It is important church should be part of our training. It should be part of our lives. But if that's your child ring, I've got to get my kids to church so they can learn about God and know God. And that's, that's your training them in the ways of the Lord. I'm sorry, that's not going to happen. You're going to teach them at worst, at best to be religious. And at worst to realize that God is irrelevant. And I can tell you this, a religion is okay when you got little kids, but when they're old enough to go out and be and begin to flirt with the world and hang out in the world, they're like, especially when they go to college, and it's like, woo-wee, mom and dad didn't tell me about all this, all this freedom. And now you're 18 or 21 or whatever, you can do what you want because mom and dad's not here to make sure you don't do that stuff. And it's like, whoa. And the only thing that you think is going to hold them back is religious upbringing? Doesn't have a chance. Doesn't have a chance. But if your kids are raised up to fall in love with Jesus, and then you're separated, you're at home, thousand miles away and they're in the world and they love Jesus, guess what's going to have a better opportunity to keep them from making too many mistakes? Now, they're going to make mistakes. But hopefully when they do something, their heart will prick them and say, you know what? I love God way too much for this nonsense. And then the relationship that they've developed with him will keep them from going that way. And how are they going to learn that relationship? What's going to model that? Daddy, you dads. You know, there is a statistic. I thought it was pretty crazy. I looked it up. I can't remember the exact numbers. But it said when a mom brings the children to church without dad, when the kids grow up, there's like a 30% chance that they will continue to go to church. When dads bring children to church without mom... When the kids grow up, there's like a 70 to 80% chance that they will continue to go to church. Isn't that crazy? Men, you matter. You matter. 
So train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. Number two, ask Holy Spirit for ideas of meaningful or adventurous things you can do with your kids and have fun with it. In other words, Lord, what do I do with my kids? Okay, they're at work with me, or they're um, spending this time together. What do I do? What's going to encourage them or, or lead them in a certain path the way that you want? How do I encourage them? And he will give you ideas. I will stop in 10 more minutes. If I can have 10 more minutes, then I will stop. What the Lord gave me was ministry of mission trips. I used to travel quite a bit, go all over the world. Had the privilege of doing that. It was awesome. What the Holy Spirit told me to do, he says, I want you to, Trey obviously was my oldest. He is my oldest. So he was the first one. He says, I want you to begin to invite your sons to go with you on these trips. So I said, hey, Trey, I need you to pray about you going with me to so-and-so. Of course, he gets all excited. I don't even have to pray, Dad. I'm there. I said, well, you need to pray because you are responsible for the money. You need to believe God for the finances if you're supposed to go. And he said, okay, I'll pray. Of course, when I get home, Dad, God said yes. So, okay, you need to raise the money. And then they would. All my kids did. They would, they would work. And then also, in the because what I tell them to do is, here's what I encourage you to do, son. You do what you can do. In other words, you work to earn money. And then whatever you can't do, wherever you come up short, the Lord will provide the rest. And so there were times they would get these jobs and raise money. And then there were times when circumstances would block them from being able to work and God would provide the money miraculously. It was awesome to see that. And what that would do in them is they begin to learn, I can trust God. God wants to meet my needs. And then we would go on this trip, whatever it was. We'd have a great time together. We would experience life and experience God. And we were there doing it together. Talking about a bonding situation. It was amazing. So we'd do ministry mission trips. We'd do father, son, ministry fun trips. The Lord gave me that idea. He says, I want you to take, and I started this with Joseph. I want you to take him on a trip. It's going to be totally fun and minister in the midst of it. So with Joseph, it was my son. I hate to confess this, I'm so sorry, but my son, number three, is a diehard Iowa State Cyclones fan. Where did he go wrong? Lisa's fault. He's, and I remember, and, and, and of course, Iowa State's in the Big 12, or whatever we're called, I'm confused. But anyway, we play Iowa State, and the time we were going to play them, oh, she played Iowa State, was going to be in Iowa. And they played in November, which means it's cold in Iowa in November. But the Lord said, I want you to take Joseph to that football game. And I want you to do a, a, fun, a father-son ministry fun time. So I did. We took him there. Of course, OSU creamed Iowa State. So we had a great worship time. But not only did we do that, but we also we went to um, shopping center. I can't remember. I, I remember being in Target. I don't know if it was a mall. I remember Target. And we treasure hunted. We treasure hunted. And what that means is, is you ask the Holy Spirit to give you clues to lead you to people that he wants to love on, to bless, to encourage. So we get these clues, we write them down, we get these clues, and then we go look for the people that God is leading us to. And it was amazing. It's an incredible time. Matter of fact, um, Grant was, uh, actually Grant was the first one that I did the, fun, the father-son ministry trip. Because he and I did it first, and actually he and I were the first ones that did the treasure hunting, actually. 
took him. We went to Frontier City, went to the malls, went to the movies. We looked for the sick. We prayed, saw people get healed, and we did treasure hunting. I remember saying, hey, Grant, waking up one morning. I said, hey, Grant, you want to go treasure hunting? He's like, what's that? I kind of explained it. He said, yeah, let's try it. And we saw incredible, miraculous interactions. We saw God dump his love on people in amazing ways. And talk about the bonding experience that we, me and my son had. And what I believe the Lord was trying to do with that, with that specific type of trip, father, son, ministry, slash fun time, is he was wanting to show, it was a practical way of saying, okay, sons, we don't separate God from our regular life. We don't do God stuff on Sunday or Wednesday, and then we do real life on the rest of the days. Wherever we walk, wherever we are, all through the day, God is with us. We need to stay God conscious. We need to honor and, and walk with him through everything. And so that's what those, those deals would do. We'd be screaming on a roller coaster, and then we'd go pray for somebody. We'd be laughing and goofing off, and we'd say, hey, let's go pray for that person. And we'd do that. And it was some great times. Now, listen, brothers, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying you need to copy what I'm, I'm doing. You need to write down and do everything I'm doing. What I'm saying is if you ask the Holy Spirit for ideas, he will give you the ideas. Because you may try what I'm doing, and it may flop. Because the Lord wants you to train up your sons, your daughters, in the way that he's called you to train them up, not the way that I'm called to train them up. Does that make sense? So it's not about following my ideas. It's about realizing the purpose of me sharing this is like, huh, Holy Spirit really does speak to us. He cares about your kids more than you do. And he knows them inside and out. And he wants to encourage you and he wants to reveal himself to them. And my older sons, actually all my sons, but my older sons, now they're grown, they're out of the house, they're outside of my influence as far as my rule. They love God. They're pursuing the kingdom. And they're doing crazy stuff. The testimonies I hear from them are funny, are amazing. And it's exciting. You know, I remember one example. I didn't even get to finish the whole lesson. I'll finish this in, in a couple of weeks when I, but I want to share this last example or share this and. I'll finish the sermon later. I didn't even get to the worship part. And this is supposed to be a continuation on the worship series. So anyway, fathers, I really believe, here's a theory that I'm developing. And I'm still working on it. But I believe you play an integral part in developing your children into the calling that they're going to have. They're going to walk in. Because the things that I thought I was accidentally doing... I'm finding that my sons are now making careers out of the things that we did. I'm finding that my son, for example, my oldest son, Trey, he said, Hey, Dad, do you remember that time you gave me that assignment at work? He, you know, he was homeschooled, and so he, he was doing English or something that his mom assigned him. And she, I was supposed to assign him a writing assignment. And the topic was, I think it was being attentive. I think that was the character quality that, that she was working on him, attentiveness. And so I was given a charge of assigning my son to write a story about attentiveness. So I told him, I said, all right, son, someone's calling me right now. I'm busy. I said, all right, son, I want you to write a story about attentiveness, etc." I gave him the, the parameters and everything. He wrote a story, and it was an amazing story. And he was about 11 years old. And in the story was, it was the military, they're out on the field, they were, it was in the war, 
And they, the enemy was approaching and getting closer and knocking the guys out, wiping them out. And then the one guy, the soldier called together and says, call in the airstrike to wipe out the enemy. And he said, what are the coordinates? Talking to the radio guy. And so he gave him the, co- the coordinates, you know, Delta. I'm not going to even pretend to know that stuff. But he called the coordinates to the guy. Well, the guy wasn't paying close attention. He wasn't being attentive. And so he got some of the coordinates right and one wrong. And when the airstrike came in, it blew up all the good guys. Boom, blew them all up. Moral of the story from my son, pay attention. <laughs> it was a couple of years. He remembered this story. I, of course, I didn't remember. I'm like, well, I didn't remember that. But it's interesting. Then he, and I remember in giving him charge, I said, all right, son, I want you to write a rap. We're going to rap together. I want you to write a rap. I want you to do this. I, want you to... I was giving him assignments in writing and doing this thing and not realizing that his mom and I were developing something in him that now he has a passion for. And not only is he an excellent writer, but he's able to use it to propagate the kingdom. You know, he goes to Bethel. It's funny because uh, Bill Johnson is a, is a man that I respect. I, I appreciate his ministry. But to think that that's my son's pastor, that's crazy. But Trey has been in Bethel now for two months, three months, April, May, June, two months. Not only has he met the youth pastor already, but he has written a uh, play or a skit or something that they're using at a conf- at their youth conference. And then he, the, the youth pastor liked it so much, he says, I want to meet that young man who wrote that for me. So him and Trey have met, and he's wanting him to write some more to help him more with his ministry. So here all of a sudden... He's being influential in the youth ministry at Bethel Church in Redding, California. And I think back to when him and I just hung out together and we would do things and I was giving him ideas and assignments and we were doing things that was molding him and leading him in a direction to pursue the kingdom and to advance the kingdom. And so I realized, wait a minute, this God, it may be unintentional or accidental for me, but not him. But here's the point, my brothers. If we're not spending time with them, if we're not being intentional and getting with them, we're going to miss incredible opportunities to make an impact on these men and these women that are going to take the kingdom to another level, so to speak. I believe our kids, they should go to a higher level when it comes to advancing the kingdom. The things that we do, their floor should be my ceiling. That's my desire. I want my kids to surpass me. I remember one time, I need to stop. I remember one time when Bryant, he went with me on a mission trip, prayed for a lot of sick people. Cornell was there, Mike Harper was there, there was a number of us there, and we had an amazing time seeing a lot of sick folk get healed. It was amazing. Bryant was with me on that trip. So it's like he got a big taste of that. Then he went on a mission trip by himself for, was it a month? On a month. And then he came back sharing a testimony of how God used him, to open blind eyes, deaf ears. I was like, what? That's not fair. It's like he was provoking me, and it's like, ooh, I'm on some of that action too. But it was cool to see him go to a higher level. Let's all stand together. You know, brothers, the one thing I would like you to leave here today, if you forget everything else I said, I just want you to remember this one thing. You are extremely amazing and powerful, and your kids need what you have. They need it. Not it would be good for them to have. They need what you have inside of you needs to be deposited into their lives. 
So please grab a hold of that and then ask Holy Spirit how to walk with that. Father, thank you for what you've done today, what you're doing. We just thank you for your amazing love, your encouragement, your challenge to us. And I thank you, Father, that you have a wonderful ability to, to heal hearts, to minister to brokenness, and to bring hope and healing. And I, we thank you for, for that happening today in a wonderful way. I pray your blessing on the families today and everyone here, this church family. And I just pray that the, that the fathers, as they're taken out or whatever they do, the plans they have today with their families, I just pray that they'll be blessed and encouraged And we thank you again for your goodness in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you You guys. Have a wonderful Father's Day and a wonderful week. We'll see you next time.